0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dave with the Military Millionaire Podcast, and I'm here with Felicia Rexford, who is a Air Force vet, mom, realtor, investor, and spouse of a firefighter. And uh, Felicia and I got We just started talking on Instagram and uh, realized that she'd be fun to have on the podcast, especially because I'm trying to win myself a trip to her nice new <laughs> Airbnb cabin. You
1: got it already. I told you that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the show, Felicia.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I love our little Instagram kind of um, network. It's really neat, especially when you start getting into real estate and investing and you're trying to find like-minded people. I don't know how i stumbled across you, but it's been a nice little relationship since. So thank you for having me.
0: We'll blame it on my social media marketing genius and not just dumb luck.
1: Okay. Okay. Yes. It was, it was completely strategic. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I don't know, (laughs) who knows. Um, Anyway, uh, Felicia, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay, so a little bit of background. I uh, was initially stationed at Nellis Air Force Base here in Las Vegas, Nevada, where I still am today. Um, I was a sensor operator, so I initially kind of started the drone program, the MQ-1s, the MQ-9s, I flew those, and uh, then I became an instructor and evaluator. I stayed a contractor with the Air Force and did that for a total of 13 years at which point our economy kind of took a nosedive in the background right i still had a great career and job with the government um, but real estate was kind of floundering and my husband and i started realizing that we may want to get into um, investment properties so i was again stationed here and working as a contractor the real estate market was dropping i did have a good job i was able to keep the house that i was in and my husband and I started to get into the rentals. So we started purchasing one house a year out here in Vegas and, and that kind of led me to the path and the realization that I wanted to also get my real estate license because those two seemed to go hand in hand really well together. So I went and got my real estate license and there was a point where I quickly was out making my contractor pay purely doing real estate. So I decided to walk away from a six-figure career Uh, Flying the drones, which I absolutely love, love and miss. There's a big part of me that still misses that today. But I was able to walk away from a six-figure career and dive full into not only being a realtor and branding and marketing myself as a VA um, expert, but also utilizing that income to reinvest those funds into more real estate. So that's kind of our background.
0: So in what year was it that you said the market had sunk? So I'm guessing it's after 08. What year was it that you bought your first rental property?
1: Yeah, I was thinking of that driving over here, right? So I'm like, he's going to ask me dates, damn it. Okay, so I think 2007, 2007, 2007, mind you, I bought my first house as a 24-year-old, my husband and I did. Top of the market right before the market completely took a nosedive. Again, I had a great career. I had I had a job. I wasn't like so many people who lost their jobs and had to short sell their properties. So it was a strategic move to <clears throat> hold on to this house that wasn't worth the value that I had paid for it. And I'm so glad that we did that because about two and a half, three years later, it was actually a coworker of mine who was short selling her property and she had mentioned it in the office. And it was a price that was attainable to us 20 something year olds, you know, sitting at home. Um, It was something like $75,000 that she was gonna sell a little two bedroom, one bath home that I had been to, excuse me, two bed, two bath home. So I went home and told Nick about it. And on the investment side, wanting at least 20%, you know, to go toward investment property, that was something that was attainable to us, that we could scrounge up. So we held on to our house that was upside down because we didn't wanna affect our credit And we purchased our first investment property with 20% down on a $75,000 loan, which was nothing. And uh, quickly realized that a mortgage on something like that was about 500 bucks and I could turn around and rent it for 1100. And I went, holy crap, (laughs) there's something to be said for this. So it took us about a year to scrounge up enough money to do it again, which we did. And another year to scrounge up enough money to do it again, which we did. So that was kind of the beginning of our snowball effect if you will uh the, and the realization that that we were on to something
0: okay so i just want to frame this real quick for the audience listening before i ask my question i yeah. have a friend and i'm not going to name him but a, a good friend and he owned i want to say four rental properties in vegas when the crash hit and had a pretty decent six figure maybe mid mid to low six figures job and decided to join the marine corps because he lost everything and couldn't hold everything. Or I think he joined and then the crash hit. Either way, couldn't couldn't hold it, lost everything, right? And he's getting back into the investment cycle. So for those of you listening to this, uh, the crash definitely hit Vegas hard, just like the rest of the West Coast. So I would, with that in mind, I want to ask, obviously it was a screaming deal, but with One House Underwater and watching people foreclose and knowing your coworker is short sailing, which for those of you who don't understand means trying to avoid foreclosure because they're underwater. How did you overcome the fears and what ifs and everything else that oh, comes good. with buying when the market's tanking?
1: Yeah, such an amazing question. And uh, and a lot of it is going to be an I don't know answer. I, I, I definitely have faith and I believe that some things happen for a reason and you see opportunity and doors open and some people decide to walk through those doors and some people decide to stay back and they're a little bit more gun shy. What we were doing, even though my house was upside down, was uh, a term that we all now know in the real estate uh, industry as house hacking. We were house hacking the, the house that I had bought that we were um, upside down on. So technically, even though I can make my mortgage, I still wasn't making my mortgage because all my renters living in my house were making my mortgage. So that probably took the sting or the edge off of an investing. And then it just came down to numbers, David. I mean, like I just said, I put down 20%. And my mortgage was 500 bucks and I'm turning around renting it out for about 1100 bucks. And that kind of passive liquid income and the realization that that could be something over the course of time, if we build it, that we could utilize in our retirement years. And it's hysterical actually talking about, I'm going to actually name this, this house. So the house that we're talking about is on Portland court and most investors talk about their properties by the street name. So that was Portland court, Portland court has not only uh, grown in equity over the years, which has been phenomenal. I have, you already utilized that house once to pull out, uh, I refied it and I, and I purchased two other houses in Ohio with that refi while that house Portland court was still making me money. So that house has over the years bought me two other properties and this year I'm about to 1031 it for a fourplex. So over the course of how many years has that been? Uh, let's say 12 years That tiny little $70,000 purchase, not only has paid for itself, it's purchased me two other properties and I'm about to roll it into a fourplex. So
0: love it. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So
0: so if I was to sum that up, it sounds like you did what I'm always talking about, which is investing logically and not emotionally, which I would like to just say kudos on. And this is going to come off in like the way more sexist than I mean it to, but, uh, traditionally women have a much harder time leaving emotion out of things just because yeah. men are assholes. Um, <laughs> but, but I think that's really cool because you mentioned like right away, numbers, it made yeah. sense. Well, that's great. But for those of you who haven't been in the crash, I mean, I haven't been in a real estate crash, but I had stocks back then. Uh, yeah. That is why I'm not in stocks right now. Uh, it's really easy to say the numbers made sense when you're not in panic mode because the market's tanking. So I just want to commend you on that because that's Thank impressive. You.
1: Thank you. And 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 mind you, I mean, we felt it. We definitely felt it because again, that first house that we were still living in, the first house that I ever owned on Dapple Gray, um, I bought it for 303. And there was a point where it tr- truly across the board was worth half. So I mean, that was happening, but that didn't stop us from continuing to buy and again, not want to affect our credit. And I wouldn't change a damn thing because now looking back, I mean, all of those decisions have really catapulted our portfolio. And this year, actually, David, is probably going to be the biggest year yet for us because all of those purchases that I made 12 years ago now have a ton of equity in them. And now I'm about to play real monopoly.
0: (laughs) I like it. All right. So through the years, you've done one house at a time. Uh, which is yep. awesome. You've done some rentals and I know you have some Airbnb. So where, where did you go from house hacking and single family rentals? Where, what kind of uh, strategies have you transitioned to throughout the last few years?
1: Yeah. So all of those. So again, house hacking before I even knew it was called house hacking. I was listening to a bigger pockets podcast one, t- one day and they started using that term obviously all over the place. And I'm like, Yeah, I just called it being cheap and wanting to rent out my houses, but (laughs) apparently that's a thing. So we house hacked. We, my husband and I have been married for almost 15 years. We house hacked the first seven years of our marriage. And I love bringing that up to people now because it's funny if I ask 10 people in a room, young, young, let's say airmen or military, you know, professionals, they're going to use their VA loan buying their first house. When I try to suggest or make suggestions of house hacking or renting out their rooms, I constantly get this like, oh, no, I don't want to share my space. Oh, my gosh, that sounds terrible. You know, all this stuff. And I just want to shake people. I'm like, you don't have kids yet. You don't have, you know, the baby waking up in the middle of the night. Do it. David, I house hack my rooms and my couch. I'm not even joking. Like, I was renting out my rooms for 500 bucks. My couch was 150. Like, I was... You know I was doing it. so um, that is one thing that I would say, don't shy away from. Yeah, it's not you know overly fun. Sometimes everybody wants their space. but for seven years, I was owning property and I was not paying the mortgage. Other people were paying down the mortgage. so that that was one avenue that we used. Obviously, we had the uh, traditional rentals, um, yearly leases on those things. Um, uh, when you're in real estate, deals are going to come up. It's just a matter of time on who you talk to, what you see on the MLS, finding them yourself. Because when you're truly in the real estate industry, it is all you almost eat, sleep, and breathe. I mean, at night after I'm done with my clients, I'm still looking at property for myself. So, what got us into the Airbnb world was a flip deal that my dad. My dad's actually a realtor in um, in Victorville, California, and he had a deal. That looked like it was a good little flip, and so we purchased a house in California. We put approximations, pro- you know, on these numbers. I think we put about thirty thousand dollars into it. By the time we put that money into it, I could turn around, resell it, and make about eighty-five on it. So it was going to be a nice little flip. Well, we do have kids, and when we were doing that flip, we do have kids, and we started talking about that Airbnb type um, opportunity, and I started looking into ten thirty-one exchanges. It's all. You know, you have to consistently educate yourself. I did not know much about 1031 exchanges. Um, So I went and took a class. My husband and I took a class. We started reading on it and went, dang, I can take that $85,000 profit and roll it onto a cabin that now I can utilize as a little vacation spot for my family that I now have and not pay taxes on one penny of those profits. So that flip is actually what got us into the Airbnb world. And that is the cabin in Duck Creek, Utah that we own.
0: And I'm a huge proponent of house hacking. In fact, as we're recording this, I would imagine at some point I will feel my floor shake as one of the two different people who are checking into two different bedrooms in Airbnb in my house tonight show up. Yes. Uh, And the reason they're able to do that is because my wife took a job back in Missouri for probably half the year and so back and forth as I get ready to transition out of the military and she's literally living in an in-law suite in a barn across the driveway from our house because the house is rented and I was like, nope, it cash flows. Sorry, if you're moving back, it's great, but you gotta live for free.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, sometimes it's just a little bit of sacrifice for long-term gain and if you can keep your eye on the prize, then these little sacrifices, they make sense. They totally make sense.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so... You got to real quickly touch on the cabin that I want.
1: <laughs> well, you want to stay, I think, at the one in Big Bear, the one we just closed yes. on. Yes. Okay. So we did the flip in California. We purchased the Utah cabin. I got my feet wet in the Airbnb world. I learned a lot of numbers. It's it's learning curve all over again, you know? So we got this Airbnb and I quickly learned that having a cabin, the property management fees or the management fees on a cabin in the mountains is like so I went I guess I'm gonna learn how to be an Airbnb manager because I'm not uh, watching those profits fly out the window so that's been really cool I've learned a lot about just you know good old-fashioned customer service and listening to your clients and making sure that the property is clean and turning it actually just recently I'm looking at my nine-year-old son who's sitting here watching us tape and I've already told him about 13 years old 13 14 I'm gonna start showing him how to manage our Airbnbs because what better education than that, you know? So anyways, it took me about, we've we've had that one for about three years. It has progressively made us more and more money every year. Um, I am a super host, so that's been great. And now that I got my toes wet, again, I think we feel comfortable about getting out there again and making another purchase. So I recently went to a Real Estate Retreat in Big Bear, California with Ryan Pineda. He's a major investor out here in Las Vegas. He's also been uh, Featured on bigger pockets. He's doing all kinds of stuff opening up his own brokerage opening up his own CPA doing all kinds of stuff like that. So he had a little retreat in Big Bear. And mind you, David, Nick and I, my husband and I are from Southern California. I used to skip a lot of high school to go snowboard Big Bear like it was already our kind of our place. So when we went to the retreat. I mean, down to the basics, Nick, my husband, he looked like a little kid. He's like, that just, it just smells like Big Bear, Felicia. We just started being a little bit reminiscent, but you know, the numbers were still making sense. And I had a really good person to tap into Ryan, who was sitting right there, who owns like 10 Airbnbs in Big Bear. And he's like, Felicia, I'm I'm scooping them up as fast as I can. On average, he was making, he was profiting on average about a thousand dollars a month. That's a nice little profit. So I'm like, okay you know there's those numbers uh, people ask me all the time how do you get into airbnb get the airbnb app act like you're going to rent you know a place yourself and start looking at what people are charging and how many days they're booked i mean it's really really easy if you figure out a purchase price you break down what you have to put down on the house 20% what have you and now you can figure out a nightly rate and you can see what other people are renting out for how many days a month they're rented out It's all just basic math. Number one person in the house, I suck at math. I've got my phone right here if you need to ask me a question, you know? But um, it's real basic, guys. So I would say if you're getting into the Airbnb thing or if that's something that intrigues you, um, start with downloading the app and researching places that you want to visit yourself and then kind of do the backwards math. So we just closed on our cabin in Big Bear and you and I were talking last night actually and we had just come back on Monday. To finish staging it because we've already got two bookings in February. So here we go, baby, you know, the Airbnb thing I have learned it, but now I'm learning it in another state and California has definitely had some bumps in the road for me and it's always a learning curve, but It's fun. This is like this is the best form of education. I think that's out there. Get in and just do it. You know, I've learned a lot about California rules and regulations and all that stuff and once I get past all of this, who knows? Maybe we'll own another cabin in Big Bear here soon. You know, I'm already kind of looking.
0: <laughs> I love it. All right. And I'm going to just shameless plug because I don't ever do this on podcasts and I don't know why not. But for those of you who are interested in Airbnb, you go to my website slash Airbnb hosting and there is a 4,000 word article that will tell you everything I wish I'd known before getting started.
1: I will read it. I'm sure there's something that I can still learn.
0: If you find something in there I don't have, please tell me. I'd like to update it.
1: Okay, I will. I definitely will.
0: Okay. Man, um, would you be up for sharing numbers on, on one of your Airbnbs? Sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, roughly, just because I don't have anything written down in front of me.
0: We're gonna reset. Oh, it's a perfect no, time right reset. now. Reset. Yep. Yep. That's okay. Do, just right now, we're at a lull. Okay. I see a tattoo that says create. Yeah. We're good? Yeah, we're good. Sorry. All right. Okay. Sorry. There's
1: water there. Uh numbers. We're going to numbers.
0: Yes, we're back from the break.
1: We're good?
0: Oh, actually, hang on. While we're since we had a cut there, hey editor, uh that's where you should put the mid-roll.
1: Perfect. Now we're good? okay so numbers on the Airbnb in Utah I'm trying to I think so to be quite honest David we've got I've got um, peak seasons and I've got lows on both of the properties so right now yeah. my peak seasons in Utah are actually the summertime because that property is located right in between Bryce Canyon National Park and Zion Canyon National Park and so I get a ton of hikers. Um, Again, it's been a pretty cool thing to witness. We have a lot of out of country clients that travel to the US to hike our national parks that are in our own backyard. So if you haven't been to Bryce, if you haven't been to Zion and you're living in the States, you need to get your butts out there because people are traveling from one side of the world to the other to hike our own national parks. So that was a really big learning curve for me where they're booking a week, week and a half because they're doing multiple hikes in both locations. And they love our because It's right in the middle. So my peak season for the Utah cabin is the summer and the lull is the winter. I'm not super close to any slopes. We're about 45 minutes away from the slope. So the people that I get in the winter are families that just want to do some basic sledding, enjoy some nice snow, have Christmas in a cabin with some snow on the property, but not really people that are looking to be physical like snowboarding and skiing and whatnot. Whereas the big bear cabin, I'm thinking my peak season's going to be skiing and snowboarding and the numbers are telling me all of that. I mean, some of the prices that people were charging in big bear during the winter was just laughably disgusting. I mean, it was just crazy. So again, peak seasons kind of vary. Um, The Utah cabin, the first year I had 25 bookings. The second year I had 28 bookings and in 2019, I. Totaled everything out. I was just under forty bookings. So I progressively got better and better and better. Um, I have a lot of return clients. I am a number one fan on if you are a return client, I'm going to gift you whatever a free night. You know, thank you for coming back. Thank you for my positive reviews. I'm all about that. I know a lot of investors are like never, you know, do that kind of thing. And I'm the exact opposite. I I just believe in that stuff. So. The numbers have been really, really good. In three years, uh, we have paid, my husband and I were just talking about this, we had to pay the mortgage on that cabin, I think it was three to five times the first year. I haven't paid a mortgage on that cabin, slash I've made money on that cabin since then. And now I'm actually utilizing that fund. So again, when you've got investment properties, something that you're gonna wanna learn, you want bank accounts attached to um, your individual properties. So you don't want to co funds. And so it's kind of fun to look at that. Um, that uh, what am I trying to say bank account, you know, for the Utah cabin and realize how much money is in there and then sit back and go, okay, what kind of upgrades can I do on this property. With that account and that money that in turn is going to make me more money. <laughs> you know what I mean? By upgrading the cabin and adding the extra features this year, we're going to add some picnic tables and kind of utilize my outside area. So I'm excited. The The cabin is paying for itself. I've got money in the bank. I'm now going to utilize those funds to make upgrades. And hopefully that's just going to keep spiraling the, you know, the bookings.
0: Yes. I'm a huge fan of rolling cash into your upgrades for prime example. I waited almost a year to buy this microphone because I told myself that a, I wasn't going to pay full price and B I was going to let it get paid for by profits from either the podcast or the YouTube channel. And I made enough last month that I was like, Oh, I get to buy my microphone. So, it's so fun. It it's is so
1: fun when you see that money. And, 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 and another thing, you know, the big bear cabin that we just closed on, um, we had other accounts, other rental accounts, that you know when you see me out there shopping for all this stuff it's not coming out of felicia nick Rexford's savings you know we're not putting out our own money anymore these properties are paying for themselves so it 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 only it's only a matter of time if you're smart with your money you know and um that that again the big bear cabin and all the the furniture and all the accessories and all the fun stuff it's been paid for from other accounts so we're good so far
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Knock on wood. That's definitely exciting. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what's been your favorite strategy so far? So any of them been more fun or or I guess, and then to also, what do you plan on moving into as you start 1031ing?
1: Yeah. So that was actually what I was going to say. I'm super pumped and excited. You know, it, we're in February. We're in the beginning of February. We are four weeks past everybody getting excited about their goals and writing them down and all this stuff. I'm still riding my and high. And
0: throwing them away.
1: Nope, nope, I'm still riding my high because I told Nick a certain number of units that we wanted to get under our belt in 2020. And I think we're gonna knock that out plus some in the first six months of 2020. And that's because of all of my properties that I've been sitting on in Vegas. And now the equity that is is hanging over their heads, accumulation just under $500,000 worth of equity. So all of those properties were 70, 75,000, 80, $85,000 properties that I was putting 20% down on, you know, during the um, crash. And I've held on to them, they've paid for themselves, they've made money, and now they've grown um, with equity. And I've got a ton of equity in these things. So 1031s are really exciting and fun to look at because you can combo that money to make big purchases, or I can sell one of the houses and 1031 that, you know, chunk of equity into what I'm looking for is, is multifamily. I want a bunch of multifamily and I'm looking at making some out of state purchases and I'm going to utilize all these houses in Vegas. It's going to do a couple different things. One, my husband manages all of our houses in Vegas. He won't have to manage those properties anymore. So that's kind of nice. Um, and two, I think that's, I, I mean, I'm maybe I may be just bluntly saying this, but I think that that's kind of the goal when you're investing is to go from single family and then get yourself into multifamily. And then if you want to go real big, you know, you can even roll yourself into commercial. And so it's really exciting to see our portfolio doing that kind of crossover, watching the single family residences become, you know, multifamily. So right now we're looking at buying four slash six units, maybe even eight. And I'm looking in Alabama to do that. So was just talking to my real estate agent today very important to have a good real estate agent.
0: <laughs> yes. And Alabama's, uh, I got some uh, people I was coaching that do some investing out there and, uh, and and a couple friends that buy out there. There's some really great markets there right now.
1: Hopping. It seems like a lot of growth, a lot of growth opportunity. Already the units that I'm buying, if I would have bought them even three years ago, would have been a substantial, you know, profit increase. I'm not worried about it. That's that's the stuff that people get hung up on. And, and actually, I'm kind of reminding myself of something. You had asked, how did you get over, you had asked earlier, how did you get over everybody else short selling their house and then buying? so funny because when we were making those purchases, I was still at the Air Force Base and surrounding myself with contractors and airmen and all that stuff. And I can't even count how many times people would say things such as, I'm just waiting and mind you, my first purchase, I bought a house that was like $70,000, you know, and a couple of years would go by and that same $70,000 property would be like 80 or 85, right? So like, who cares? It's like a $15,000 spread, but I'm still making money. The facts are the facts. And I would have so many people that would say, you know, oh, I'm just waiting for it to go back down. And I'm like, I'm paying like 15 grand more for a house and I'm still making $500 a month. I don't care. And I would laugh and they would laugh at me. And that's okay, same kind of concept with these, um, these four-plexes and six-plexes that we're looking at is, you know, I go back and I'm doing my, my research, and yeah, it sucks when you look at what they have cost a couple of years ago, but can I still make money now? That's what you need to be focusing on. Don't focus on, dang, I should have bought two or three years ago, look how cheap they were. Right now, they can still make me a ton of money, so I'm good, I'm good. If they're still going to make me $2,100 a month, I'm not complaining, you know? And, uh, and yes, if we ever do see a dip in the market again, or what have you, I do say, I, I think there's something to be said for being liquid and being able to capitalize on a down market too. Um, but that's not stopping me from making purchases in 2020.
0: No, as long as you buy correctly, who cares? And I'm sure the whole Raider Nation thing hasn't hurt you guys out there.
1: Yeah, we keep what thinking that, that it's going to, you know, inflate a little bit more. I don't, I don't really know if it's going to Vegas is just growing on so many different levels, whether that's, you know, we got our, um, our golden Knights, you know, hockey team, we've got the Raiders coming in. There's been a lot of talk about a basketball team. Um, in general, we've got two major air force bases. We've got the Hoover dam. We've got an international airport. Las Vegas is constantly growing all in and of itself. Um, So, yeah, I think I think we're going to be good for a while.
0: Yeah, Vegas is definitely a self-fulfilling and and it's also positioned perfectly because it's in a a great state and B, it's east of California, which uh, is not doing so hot in the keeping everybody here world right now
1: yeah in my real estate world um, you know about 85% of my clients are military I pride myself with representing people that I can talk the lingo lingo you know what's a TDY what's a PCS I understand all of this stuff Um, LES statements you know it goes on and on and on but the other big chunk of our clientele are people coming over from California retiring so we've got a huge retiree movement realizing that they can buy a ton more here in Vegas for a lot less, a lot less taxes. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's a really, really big movement as well. Just on my real estate side.
0: Awesome. All right. So, uh, there's a couple questions. I always ask everybody who's on my show and one of them I would like you to answer is if an E one or an E two was to walk up to you asking for advice and you only had a moment to talk to them, what would you tell them?
1: Don't rent, use your BH, buy a house. (laughs) (laughs) And that's pretty quick-witted, but you know, my gosh, BAH, guys, basic allowance for housing. That is extra money on top of the money that you're being paid, free money to go towards housing. When you rent, you are electing to take that money and pay off another person's property. So literally think of it like this. If you can see my hands, I'm taking from the right and I'm handing to the left. I'm taking my BAH and I'm going to hand it to somebody else and let them pay off their house. And right now my numbers in Vegas, and I, don't, and I don't know every single market, but I can tell you right now in Vegas, I can stand in front of, you know, like you said, an E2, E3, look at their BAH. So let's say they're married. They're making about $1,400, $1,500 a month, and they want to rent a fourteen dollars to $1,500 a month um, house. And right now I can get them a three bed, two bath house, even brand new. There's so many different programs and things going on out there. I can get their closing costs covered. I can literally get them into a house for less than it would cost them to rent. So right now they're coming in with first and last month's rent. They're you know making their $1,500 a month mortgage. But over here, I'm able to get them into a house um, get their closing costs paid for. A lot of times their EMDs, they're even getting checks cut back to them. You know, they're getting $1,500 back from their EMD. They're purchasing a house. They're investing in themselves. House hack the crap out of that thing. If you can let somebody else pay off your mortgage. And then at the end of your tour, you, you kind of do that, that, that ebb and flow thing. Do I want to rent it out and keep it? And this can be the beginning of my investment portfolio. Can I sell it and make some money and maybe utilize that in the next market you have options. But if you rent, you have zero options. If you buy, you've got a couple different options, baby. So I would say to at least be looking at the rent versus buy scenario profile, find a realtor that can really go through those with you and see if it makes sense for you.
0: I'm going to poke a little jab in there uh, okay. because i think it's hilarious the different cultures and that is if you're not a spoiled e1 e2 in the air force uh sorry you don't get BAH. oh sorry you guys don't
1: get it you, you guys know, for, don't get BAH?
0: for marines you have to either be a e6 or married uh with extenuating okay so that was totally like an air the, force uh, plug <laughs> then uh, if the barracks is uh, occup- You know, if the occupancy is high or whatever, then you can get it earlier. I've seen E fours get it, um, but generally speaking, yeah, i mean, I didn't get it till I was an E five on recruiting, um, I, and I know, I, I I know I think there's some ways the army can, but I don't, the navy's the same as we are. Uh, I think it's just the air force that it's like. Oh yeah,
1: sure. uh, That was my Air Force, pl- Air Force plug and I didn't even know it, David.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll give it to you. I'm still happy okay. with my decision. Okay. <laughs> I still
1: love you. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, hey, I would have used that money terribly if I was able to use it at that age.
1: Absolutely. What's your next question? You said you always ask these two questions on the podcast.
0: Yeah. yeah well, there's a, yeah. So there's a few. The uh, one is, what is the one resource book, course, website, whatever that you would recommend to anybody getting started in real estate?
1: Ah, oh, one resource book in just real estate. So I brought all of my books, but one resource.
0: You can name more than one if you want to. I'm not going to stop you're, you're you from giving more tools. In
1: real estate. And mine is always mindset. So I love freaking mindset, motivational books, um, go get them books. You can do anything. You can reinvent yourself books. Like that's like my jam. So real estate books, you know, when I reinvented myself from um, a contractor with the Air Force to a real estate person trying to kind of um, make my name, make my brand, know, because you gotta realize my real estate career is now funding my investments, you know, so that was major for me. Um, I would say one of the really good ones was how to win friends and influence people from a from a Dale Carnegie from a business standpoint. And that was so, and there's so many like key fundamental concepts in that book that I genuinely in my gut just believe in from a moral ethical you know standpoint that I have used to catapult my business and and now I'm one of the top 100 agents in Las Vegas out of 15,000 so I'm doing well for myself so I would say that's a good one and again you said you know main contact for real estate and I'm kind of sidebarring here. Um, But there's some other ones that I've really liked, like Fierce Conversations. That's going to help you with the negotiation strategies by Susan Scott. The Energy Bus by John Gordon. That is a book that is probably going to forever stay in my top three favorites because it's a mental game. You know, it's find your strategy, find your thing in life, you know, drive your bus, let people get on your bus that are going to help catapult your business, and people that aren't, get them off your bus, man. Like, don't let them suck your energy. How many people have you ran into, David, that have not thought that you're going to be successful on a podcast or don't believe in real estate? I mean, how many people do you nudge and rub elbows with daily that aren't on your bus?
0: None. Everybody loves me and everything I do.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. All my
0: haters who are listening don't make it this far, so they won't disagree with me
1: right? They probably won't even listen to you. So, um, Welcome. so yeah, so I would say, you know, that's a really good one because it's just all about mindset. So not really one to say, you know, go to this, you know, site for real estate, uh, you know, podcast. let actually let's come back. You did, you said books, but I'm going back to podcasts, you know, bigger pockets. I'm a, a mega fan. If Nick and I are doing two, three hour, four hour long drives. We're either listening to you, David, from military military, or bigger pockets or the real estate guys. These are people that are opening up their homes, opening up their mics and just talking to people like me. You can read a book for hours on end, or you can listen to a 30 minute podcast and just gain so much information. So I would say if you're not a big reader, even start with those podcasts, that's going to be really, really informative.
0: You're the second person this month, well, I guess it was technically last month now, who's recommended Fierce Conversations to me. So I yeah. think that's, in fact, the first person, uh, I don't know if you know who Shelby Osborne is, but yeah. She, yeah. Uh, she recommended it. And I had uh, several le- seven levels of communication in my audio book, and somehow I thought that's the one she recommended. So I like tagged her in Facebook. It was like, wow, you're right. This is a good book. And she's like, that's not the book. Like, oh <laughs> man. So now it's There's back on my list. conversations
1: will but. get you to those uncomfortable positions about honesty, you know, and getting to getting you where you need to be by being um, being really honest with you know those conversations that you have to have from a business standpoint, real estate standpoint, relation standpoint, everything really. So. Uh, I also just finished another one, "Return to Orchard Canyon" by Ken McElroy. I really loved that one. And if somebody's not into reading, that is a novel-based book, and it 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 hits on real estate investing. You know, people that survived the Great Depression. So it brings in some history and people that owned property and had orchards and stuff was able to even survive something like that, the Great Depression. Really cool, cool, easy read. There.
0: I uh, I pre-ordered the audio book when I saw it on your story yesterday.
1: I loved it. I really, really loved it. And I just started uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins who lives in Las Vegas. So I can't wait for that one.
0: That's a good one. All right. Before we wrap this up, is there anything you'd like to add? Any parting advice or big ideas?
1: Parting advice or big ideas. Um, You are probably your biggest boundary in life, whether that's real estate, real estate investing or what have you. Don't get caught up in your head. Get out there, make some actionables, do it. Get people on your bus that believe in you. And, and yeah, execute.
0: Where can people get a hold of you?
1: Instagram, Felicia underscore Rexford. Uh, my email address is mrs.rexford.realty at gmail.com. That's a good one. Um, and Facebook, I've got my business page under Felicia Rexford and the Rexford group.
0: You said mrs.rexford.realty? Or yep,
1: mrs.rexford.realty at gmail.com.
0: Awesome. Felicia, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much, David. Talk to you later.
0: And I can't wait to stay in your cabin.
1: (laughs) You got it. (laughs)